Okay, don't disappear. We're going to reel you back in here. We're going to get started. Okay, so Ken Bell is here, and uh, just by way of introduction, this is like the pre-introduction before Kim's introduction, uh, I, I just want to bring us back uh, to what we're doing here, and we started out talking about unity uh, probably four weeks ago, uh, reflecting on the scriptures and what God was um, really on about with unity. And uh, one of the things that we learned is that God is actually really passionate about it, and it was the main thing for Jesus. It was his dying wish. That's how important this subject is and this topic is to Jesus. The other thing that uh, we reflected on in the scriptures is that unity is not about uniformity. The starting point for us as we connect with other churches, as we listen to other pastors, the starting point is not to say, okay, let's find ways, places that we believe the same things. We need to find a shared theology. We need to find uh, a shared mission, a shared structure. Uh, Those things aren't unimportant. But the starting place for unity is finding the commonality in the spirit. And so uh, it's important that we have our spirit in the right place as we venture into this. It's kind of uncharted territory, right? When we start engaging with other churches in ways that we haven't before. CAP is a very safe place because there is a lot of uniformity here. Uh, We're not all the same. But when we start engaging with other churches, we're pressed. And so it's important that we come at it with a godly and biblical spirit. So I'm going to hand it over to Kim. And uh, you're okay for microphones and everything? Uh, can't use it. Thank you, Jamie, and good morning to everyone. Welcome here. Uh, it has been a great and rich series so far, uh, this whole idea of uh, Church United, that we are uh, not just church at CAP, but we, sh- we are church together with so many churches across the world. Uh, and in fact, our Nashisa team sends you greetings. They have uh, completed their last day in Nashisa yesterday. They worshipped uh, about 10, 12 hours ago. Um, and uh, in fact, the church in Nashisa worshipped without them. The team was already on the way back. And they'll spend a few more days uh, in Uganda before they come home. It occurs to me as I was setting up this series when I kind of was talking to various different pastors... Uh, and trying to get people to come and join me. It turns out, I actually didn't plan it this way, Ken, but it turns out that um, all of the churches that are coming to join us, the four pastors from these churches, are within about five kilometers of my house. (laughs) So it's like it started kind of here, but it's amazing, actually, the diversity that you can find just within five kilometers in every direction uh, of of my house there on Grand Boulevard. So this morning, it is my great privilege to introduce to you Ken Bell. Good morning. Let's welcome him. Uh, And um, it actually says in one place in our newsletter that Ken Best was coming to visit us and that you may have actually been confused with Ken Best over the years because I know that you guys, like, you've been on the North Shore kind of similar times, both pastors, both youth pastors for a while, but I know you're Ken Bell. Thank you. Ken Best is also yeah. a great guy, but I wasn't expecting we, him. We have been confused for yes. each other before. We almost moved in together at one point. No way! Yeah, we were almost roommates, but no one would take us in. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, anyway, so Ken, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us uh, how long you've lived on the North Shore. Tell us uh, a little bit about your family. Okay. So I started working on the North Shore uh, in youth ministry in uh, 1990 and moved over to the North Shore in 94. So for four years, I was living in Burnaby, uh, going to SFU, and then I moved over, moved over here uh, and continued to work at St. Simon's until 2005 when I then started at my current church, St. Timothy's. Uh, so I've been at St. Timothy's since then. Uh, I have one wife. Uh, her name is Sonia. We've been married 20 years, and we have two children. Lillian is in grade nine. She's, or no, sorry, grade eight, almost grade nine. She's 14, and my son Ethan is 12, and he's in grade six. Uh, and we've been living in the same place, just sort of near Deep Cove uh, since 2001. Uh, so I bounced around to a couple of different places, but, uh, and I grew up in Tawasson. Not that that means anything to most of you, but anyone from T-Town, yeah, I grew up in Tawasson. That's awesome. T-Town. Yeah. The yeah. other thing I realize now as I'm talking to you and listening to you, Ken, is the other commonality that you have with uh, the rest of the pastors who will be visiting us is that you have this um, history of like great longevity in the North Shore, that you've been ministering as a pastor on the North Shore for a long time, and that's, um, that's pretty wonderful. Well done to you. Thanks. Um, three things you love, Ken, and three pet peeves. Okay, so three things I love. Uh... We'll start simple. I love gardening. Not, not I, I like flowers. Flowers are fine. Uh, but I really love vegetable gardening and fruit gardening. I, I like getting my hands dirty. I like showing the kids how things grow. And uh, just that, that pleasure of, of scattering things into the ground and they look like nothing. And they look like nothing for a long time. This is, I just realized, sort of a metaphor for ministry, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes weeds grow up through it. And anyways, I think about tearing out the weeds. No, that's a different message. Um, <laughs> Uh, but then being able to eat that and make it into something, which ties into my second love, which is I love cooking. Uh, I love making food for people. I love the planning of a meal, uh, especially if it's, if it's a big feast and, and just planning the menu and getting, get, figuring out exactly how you want everything to flow together. But more than the actual cooking, I love watching people enjoy the feast. I love peop watching people enjoy the meal. One of my favorite movies of all time is Babette's Feast. Has anyone seen Babette's Feast? Excellent. If not, shame on you. Uh, no, uh, if not, you should see it. It's a phenomenal movie, and it's about eating, so that's really good. Uh, the other thing I really love, and this may sound, oh, yeah, obviously, I love learning new stuff. I love being challenged on what I think I know to be true, I love learning new ideas, new concepts, trying to uh, fit those into what I already believe and, and maybe be forced off a position uh, and admit that I was, I was wrong about something. Whether that comes from listening to people uh, you know, on the radio or in podcasts or reading a good book or going to lectures or whatever it is, I just, I just love learning new ideas and new concepts and trying to figure out how to how to integrate those and, and just play with ideas and toss them around and see how they fit into other things. I really, so that's three things I love. Pet peeves, uh, which always reveal more about you than it does about the thing that you actually don't like. Um, exercise. Uh, I know, hard to imagine, right? Yeah, my, my, my motto is sweat is your body's cease and desist order. Um, 
I suspect that can't be a pet peeve, though, because I think you have to engage in the thing in order for it to be a pet peeve. Yeah. So maybe not, maybe not so much that. Uh, when people dart in and out of traffic, you're driving along the highway, everyone's going at the same pace, but you get the one person who decides they're really more important than everyone else and needs to just weave in. A, I'm the, if, you, if you do that, I'm sorry. I'm the person in the lane who sees you coming and tries just to slow you up. Just, I position myself in a way that you can't cut in, or, or, and then I rejoice not so subtly when I pull up beside you at the next stoplight and realize that and you haven't been successful. And are you wearing your collar when you do that? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has no, no bearing on the situation. Um, it, building, building on the idea of how I love cooking, um, if you were to see my office, actually not this week, this week... I had to prep a sermon that I wasn't excited to prep, so my office got cleaned this week. But normally, my office is is mess. It would look you would you would think that I am happy uh, working in a hurricane situation, but if I'm about to prep a meal, my kitchen has to be clean. The dishes have to be washed and put away. And so when people leave like plates and cups and cutlery in the the dishwasher is six inches away. Preach it, brother. Preach Was it. Was there like? Did the rapture happen? You got, you managed to get the plate to the sink, but somehow getting into the dishwasher, and this is where it reveals something about me, more than half the time, one of those things was put in the sink by me. So my own pet peeve is me sometimes, but there's, there's three pet peeves. That's good. I think. We, is that three? Close no. enough. There's, yeah, that's good. All right, thank you. Yeah. Dogs. What? Dogs. I'm totally with the Egyptians. No, no, no. I'm totally with the Egyptians. We got dog lovers here. That's going <laughs> to shut it down right away. No, no, no. <laughs> Dogs like no, everyone. No, no, no. Cats are discerning. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> so I'm just going to interject that, well, you probably will already, will, you'll say this, but I know Ken and Todd actually share, like Ken is in Todd, Todd Weeb's um, church space like they he has an office there and he has like uh they celebrate there well i probably totally tell the story of your no that's okay go ahead but uh, i was recently with ken and todd and apparently something that ken said actually ken was preaching this sunday that todd was here with us so todd so ken's preaching at sutherland enabled todd to be here yeah but apparently something that you said was like somewhat offensive to some people. Maybe it was about dogs, in fact. So I'm just No, but I won't share what it is because I no. don't want to lose anyone else. Good, good. Okay. <laughs> wow. We're just going way off script today. Uh, if you had to pick one Bible text to reflect your personal story with Christ uh, or your present experience with Christ, can tell us what it would be and why? That, that, was, that, was, a, that was a tough one to, to think about. Um, I thought about it a lot, and I think for me, and, and again, this is one of those answers that almost sounds like, well, the answer has to be Jesus, and I guess it is. Um, but the, the story of the prodigal son, and the reason for that is twofold. Um, the prodigal son, of course, reminds me of my own sinfulness. It reminds me of when I mess up, uh, the, that, that God's grace is greater than my, my capacity to sin. And so it reminds me of that, but it also puts me in the other place. Now that I have children, uh, especially my son, my son has the spiritual gift of forcing grace into you. Um, and, and so I have had to learn from that story what it means to be in the place of the Father when, when you just have to continue no matter what 
to put out more and more forgiveness, more and more grace. And it reminds me again of the depth of what God has done for me. So I quite often, because of my own sinfulness and my own reaction to people when they uh, don't do what I demand uh, or hope for, uh, am brought back to, again, a place of sinfulness. And it brings me back to that story of being both in the place of the son, but also in the place of the father, and how much more I need to grow to be like the father. So that's the place I go back to time and time again is that, that passage. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you. Um, tell us about the North Shore and your church. So first off, how would you describe North Van or the North Shore to a fellow pastor living somewhere else in Canada? I think where I'd start with that is I, you have to start with the ridiculous beauty of, of the North Shore, everything, and you guys know this, you live here from the mountains to the sea, we're 10 minutes to, well, depending upon where in the North Shore you are and if there's an accident on the bridge, you're 10, 15 minutes to the downtown core of an incredible city. So it's, it's location and it's beauty, um, but also that it can be a lonely place. Um, I, I think a lot of Vancouverites, North Shore, we're, we're so, especially with things like housing and all that, we're so busy just trying to get things done and meet ends meet that we don't have a great capacity always to include new people and welcome new people unless they already want to join us in what we're doing uh, I'm in a bike club or golfing or whatever it is that we do and so I think sometimes it can be a it can be a, uh, a hard place to to make new acquaintances especially if you're not willing to put yourself out there and engage but more in terms of the spiritual element I I often hear people describe the North Shore, Vancouver in general, but the North Shore in particular, as a place of, uh, in two ways. The first is a place with hard soil. It's a, it's a hard place to, to build a church. It's a hard place to be a Christian. And the first thing I would say to that is, and I also hear that from people in Seattle and Portland and all the way down the I-5 corridor and all the way into Calgary and Edmonton and Winnipeg. And in fact, unless you're in the southeastern United States, I think that statement is 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 somewhat true um and i think that's true if you th if your matrix of it's a hard place is uh if i throw out a sign on wednesday saying new church starting sunday 10 o'clock and 200 people don't show up therefore it's a hard place to do church i i guess that's true but i've just never found that to be true i don't know that i'd want to be in a place where it was super easy like where's the fun in that where's the challenge in that um, it's, it's also described, I hear a lot of people describe the North Shore as, as a dark place. Uh, there's a darkness hanging over it. It's a, it's a, it's a hard place to be a Christian. Um, and again, I've just never found, in fact, today was a great example of that, right? As you're driving out, I don't know about when our church service started at nine, uh, there was all of a sudden this torrential downpour, but over in Vancouver, it was gorgeous. Uh, yeah, there is darkness, there is heaviness, but, and I think it's more of a mindset I have. I, I try to see the light. I don't want to see the darkness. I don't want to live in the place of shadows. Uh, I want to live in the place of light. And, and people say it's really hard to, to, you know, to be a Christian and, uh, or, or people are antagonistic towards Christianity on the North Shore. I've lived here, worked here since 1990. I don't think I've ever experienced that. Um, when I tell people what I do for a living, because you're sitting on the sidelines watching your kids do something foolish, uh, and people ask, what do you do for a living? 
Uh, some people change the subject right away or say, oh, I guess I better watch my language around you. Like, that's the deciding factor in your faith, uh, whether or not you curse or not. <laughs> in which case, I'm in trouble. Um, but most often, people ask a follow-up question. What is that like? What exactly do you do? Is it more than four hours on a Sunday? To which I say, yeah, it's more like two hours on a Sunday. Um, people find there's engagement in it. I, I, I don't think people on the North Shore are cold to, to spirituality or anything, um, or, or to faith. I've been, I've been involved in school programs. In fact, I just finally uh, got off our school pack. Well, not officially. I'm now uh, chair emeritus uh, at our school pack. Uh, I was the chair for the last two years, and everyone at the school knows what I do for a living. I sometimes show up with the dog collar on, um, and I've never felt any r resistance against that. I've had incredible opportunities to do weddings, funerals, uh, crisis counseling, just one-on-one -on -one, uh, exchange of ideas with, with students, with, with parents, with uh, teachers with the administration, uh, I've just never felt that. I think people in North Van, I think this is probably true of people around the, elsewhere, but people in North Van, we're, they're so engaged in the beauty that we live in, right? So there's, you go mountain biking, you go hiking, you go sailing, you go boarding, you go w whatever it is, you're involved in something outside. And I don't think it's just because they're doing it for exercise, because exercise is wrong, it's your body's cause you to sweat, right? So I don't think they're doing it just for exercise. I think they do it because somewhere in their soul they have an innate sense of knowing that there is something bigger and more beautiful. There's something transcendent. They may not be able to articulate it or know what it is. And I think our job then is to help bring articulation to that thing that they know but don't know what to, to talk about. And the only time I get any sense that people are on comfortable with spirituality or anything like that is if they think you're going to either judge them or try to um, sort of manipulate them or, or, or call them out or something like that. But generally, I think I, there's no place I'd rather be doing ministry. I think it's an incredible place to do ministry. So awesome. Thank you. Uh, Ken, give us a brief history of your church and its current reality and its joy and joys and challenges. So today is actually our 14th anniversary. I just realized that when I was sitting down there. So we did nothing in the church to celebrate our anniversary today. Um, so our church started 14 years ago, primarily out of two other congregations on the North Shore. Um, you, you may or may not have remembered a little skirmish within Anglicanism that started about 20 years ago. Uh, and sort of came to a head about 15 years ago uh, over the issue of same-sex blessings. And uh, some people, many people within Anglicanism uh, were upset at the, the concept itself. Just they, they, they held a position that says the, the whole concept is unbiblical. Uh, others were upset with the way it was being carried out to say that um, a bishop doesn't have authority in and of themselves to change the theology of, of the whole denomination and so they're saying you know whether this is right or wrong the bishop doesn't have that authority and so they're upset about that and what culminated for the two churches that formed our congregation is one night at midnight the bishop head uh, of the diocese at the time had sent in a locksmith to change the lock so he could take over the building and that angered people I'm not sure exactly why 
Uh, but that really angered them. The youth pastor happened to be there after midnight cleaning up after a youth event was the one who caught the locksmith. Um, and so it was out of that that this group of people called, um, got together, they began to meet. They uh, called a fellow named Paul Carter who agreed to help them establish St. Timothy's, but he was planting a church uh, over on the west side of Vancouver at the time, Emmanuel Church. And so he said, I can only do that part-time, you need to find someone else. Uh, and they had a grand total of one person to interview, and that was me. Go, go lack of opportunity. Uh, and so they, they hired me, and I joined them about six months after that. Um, we originally met in the Harvest, uh, the harvest Building, the har where the Harvest Project meets. And then we moved over to Lynn Valley Rec Center. And then about seven years ago now, we moved into Sutherland Church. And since then, we've been doing a lot more intentional partnership with Sutherland. So a lot of our ministry uh, gets done together. So Sunday morning is different. We meet at 9. It's a very traditional uh, liturgical service. Uh, we, we sing hymns. Uh, I dress up in robes. So it's, it's your sort of stereotypical. If any of you watched the, 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 the little wedding that took place a few weeks ago, kind of looks not at all like that, but sort of. Uh, <laughs> Um, so it's a fairly traditional church, Sutherland, Todd probably explained it to you, it's a lot more, I mean, you could transplant sort of this service in this group of people and that would be the Sutherland experience as well, so it's more similar to what uh, you all do. Um, but our youth ministry is done jointly, our children's ministry is done jointly, uh, our mental health nights are done jointly, a uh, program we run called Tasting Room Theology is done jointly. Uh, Todd and I work on sermon series together and, and stuff, so we'll have the same sort of sermon. We, we don't always chat to say that the sermons are the same, but we'll do a sermon series with both churches. Um, our church is mostly older. I'd say one of our biggest struggles is, is what a lot of churches find, is finding that new energy, that new uh, um, presence to come in. Uh, back in 2011, there was uh, a little bit of a, coup at the church. Uh, I was away on retreat and got a phone call saying, there has been secret meetings. Now, if you've ever been a part of a church when someone says there's been secret meetings, that's never good news. And so that was about a two-year process of um, a lot of disruption. Uh, one of our elders actually came to our church, came up to my son, who was, I guess, seven at the time, and said, we don't want you here at this church. No one here likes you. You're not welcomed here. So that's how okay, tense wait. it So got. the secret meetings were about you. Oh, the secret meetings were definitely about me. Yeah. Yeah, so that went on for about two years. Uh, and some of the people left. Some of the people leading the insurrection stayed, which has been interesting. Um, but uh, right now, we're a congregation of, on a good Sunday, about 50 people. Um, and finding ways of what it means to be uh, a witnessing disciple and a witnessing community here on the North Shore. Okay, I have like about 10 follow-up questions. <laughs> <laughs> How much time do we have? Um, okay, so the first one, just from what you just talked about, and this is not anything that we've had permission to talk about in terms of I've asked you why so so those people like that those secret meetings and some people left and some people stayed yeah. why did you stay uh, uh I, <laughs> I didn't think anyone else would hire me uh no I didn't 
because it was worth fighting for. It was worth staying for. Um, and it was difficult because it came to a point where not only the people who were against me were against me, even many of the people who were for me were against me at one point, uh, including my, my closest friends, my family, my, my coach and my bishop and, and everyone, because they were of the opinion that my job was to kick out the people who were causing the problems. And I realized that made perfect, logical, strategic sense. But every time I prayed about it, I was either drawn to a passage, the, the, the scene at the Last Supper where Jesus actually breaks bread with Judas, or to Jesus reminding his disciples, you forgive 70 times 77. I didn't feel it was right to kick them out. Jesus didn't kick out Judas, and I'm not comparing myself to Ju Jesus or them to Judas, but I'm just saying he didn't, I didn't feel right about doing that. And so there was a, even a period of about six months where even my allies were against me. Um, but I just never felt it was right to leave. I was never given permission. I don't know how I follow up with that. That's amazing. Um, the other follow-up question I want to ask is just, and maybe, I don't know, some of what you just described uh, is part of an answer to that. So this is, so your church um, did not, your church did not exist 14 years ago right. or 15 years ago. Um, your church assembled kind of around a, a, a protest, yep. a uh, choice to break off, um, because of a particular issue. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder how you see that working out today and, and also not just a particular issue, but one that is that continues to be loaded, yeah. right, in terms of same-sex orientation. And, and, and so how does that, like, do you guys talk about it still? Do you, does this issue, like, your conservative stance towards same-sex marriage, like, does that continue to be something that you, yeah, like, how does that play out in your current, 14 years later in your current, life together I mean in 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 one way the issues never come up again we made the decision we've moved on we've talked about other things but in some ways it 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 does plague us because we weren't a church born out of vision we weren't a church born out of mission we weren't a church born out of something positive that we felt God was calling us to we were we were born out of protest we were born out of being against something and so being birthed out of something you're against can only carry you for so long before you need to begin to say, well, what are we for? What are we in favor of? What is the positive sense of what we're for? And to try to, ex to get that has been a, has been a big challenge. Um, a lot of people wanted, who, who formed the church initially, wanted a safe Anglican church, traditional Anglican church that they had grown up in, that they could go to worship on Sunday morning, receive the sacraments, and, and go home, and that the pastor would probably be more like a chaplain character, uh, not Charlie Chaplin, but a, you know, like a pastor chaplain sort of thing, uh, who would do his duties and not cause too much other disruption, which clearly I didn't do. Um, so it's been a challenge to say, so now what? What, what are we for? What, why do we exist? So coming to form a vision of understanding our purpose out of that has been hard. 
Um, in, in terms of the continuation of the issue, because it continues to be a big issue in the churches, for me, my biggest struggle with the whole issue is that it has become a shibboleth. It has become... Do y'all know what that means? Uh, I'll explain it. it it's an it's a Old Testament term where they were trying to test someone's legitimacy, uh, and so it was how you pronounce, uh, I think it was how you pronounce the word shibboleth, or whether you yeah, pronounce it It's like it a right secret password. It's a secret password. It's become the litmus test. So if I want to know who you are in terms of your faith, I don't need to ask you anything about the Trinity. I don't need to ask you what you think about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't need to ask you if you think Jesus is the Son of God. I don't need to ask you what you think about baptism or Eucharist or, or about uh, anything to do with how, you, how I understand the, the Sermon on the Mount or uh, how we live out our life or Pentecost or the Holy Spirit. I only have to ask you one question. And from that... I determine if you are an unfaithful left-wing nutjob progressive or if you are a radical, hate-filled uh, fundamentalist. One question gives me that information. And that, out of anything else, bothers me about this issue. That could be your pet peeve. That might be a pet peeve. <laughs> yeah. There's lots more to say there, but I'm really uh, appreciative of your honesty and, uh, and your faithfulness. And, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Ken, you have a great, um, you have a great imagination. You have a great vision, I think, um, just in terms of what God is doing um, in your life and in the midst of um, the North Shore. Can you imagine ways in which we could partner with you or, or churches partnering together, not even necessarily CAP, but just what might it look like for churches on the North Shore to partner together for the sake of the gospel? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple ways. I think one is for the pastors on the North Shore to actually get to know each other again and trust one another, uh, find ways of doing soul care for, for one another and begin to build relationship and knowledge and trust with one another. Uh, and I think that's, that's not been existent a lot in recent years, but I hope uh, will develop that way. I think that we find things that we already agree on in common, that sense of unity that you were talking about as part of this series. Um, so partnering over things we already agree on. I think everyone acknowledges that mental health issues are a massive issue in our culture. And I know that your church has a passion for that. I understand you guys did a series not, not too long ago on that. Um, we partner with North Shore Stress and Anxiety Clinic and put on about four uh, public talks uh, every year on that. So what can the churches do around that? How can we help? I mean, one of, the, one of the biggest stumbling blocks of people getting help with mental health is two things. One, North Shore Stress and Anxiety Clinic has like a six-month wait list just to see someone, and they're already one of the largest clinics anywhere in Canada. So just finding a counselor to go to is difficult, but then the cost. So maybe churches can find ways of helping to fund people to be able to go to get actual real professional help. But finding those things um, that we already have in common that we can, we can rally around, uh, find out what each other's doing, participating in it, intentionally uh, doing things together and finding out what others are doing and finding those um, similar passions that we have um, as I say, it could be around anything. It could be around the housing issue. It could be around uh, homelessness. It could be around just uh, caring for uh, single parents, what, whatever it is. 
um, and find those ways, but it begins with getting to know one another. Absolutely right, yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Ken is the one who's taken on recent leadership of the North Shore uh, Pastor's Prayer. So uh, he's been doing that for like three months now, yeah, I want to say. That. And he, man, he's so good at it, you guys. The first, one of the first times I arrived, <coughs> Ken opened uh, by saying to everybody, to the circle of pastors, good morning, everybody. Welcome. At the risk of offending some of you, I want to say right off the bat, I don't care what's happening in your churches right now. But then he said, but what I care about is the state of your soul today. So let's, let's pray for one another. Let's hear what's going on in your souls and in your hearts. And, and, that's, and then later on, maybe after it's all done, we can talk about what's happening in your churches. But right now I want for this time to be about how you are. And I was just like, yay! I just wanted to stand up and cheer. <laughs> but it was awesome. Last words for us. I uh, want to know like a charge or a word of encouragement you want to give our church before we pray for you. Um, I, I was a, I was able to come here last summer when I was on sabbatical and joined in. You had just come back from Uganda. Um, I just to continue doing what you're doing. You're doing some great work. It's it's it it is hard to do the work of the gospel wherever we are, and it wouldn't be any fun if it wasn't. Uh, so. So just we'll we'll keep pr keep you in prayer. Our church actually every Sunday, our church prays for two other churches on the North Shore every week. So y you guys come up about I don't know about every twenty weeks or so uh, in, in that in that cycle of prayer. And so we do we do pray for you, um, and, and we just think that's that's an important thing to do. But just you have, you have a great uh, leadership team that I've slowly been able to get to know over the last uh, few months. Uh, excited about some of the things you guys do. Some of the projects you're involved with, the work in Egypt is is incredible. Uh, I think I recognized one of the people in the the person wearing the purple shirt. Uh, I think I recognized him. I, is he the Anglican bishop? Oh, okay, yeah. I thought I recognized him from from other feeds I've been a part of. Uh, just the work you're doing and the, the, the legacy that your church has left around the North Shore to keep that going, your heart for especially things like mental illness is incredible. So just I, I want to encourage you to keep being the blessing, the, the, the presence and the witness of God uh, where God is calling you, where you live and work and where you worship. Thank you, Ken. How great to have you with us today. Father, we, uh, we come before you. And we are uh, aware of your presence in, uh, in Ken's life and in Ken's uh, family and Ken's church. We are aware of your presence on the North Shore. And uh, we thank you that uh, through who Ken is and who you've made him to be and who you are making him to be, that you are uh, showing your light and your hope and your grace and your peace into the North Shore. We pray for uh, a continued sense of your uh, calling and your, um, your leading in his life and in his church. Uh, I just think of the, the way that his church has, uh, has been woven into uh, Sutherland and the way that you are using those two churches together to, uh, to impact uh, people for you. I think of how beautiful that is and what a great picture that is. Um, 
Father, we just want to uh, unite our hearts together with, uh, with his church and to acknowledge the fact that regardless of whatever subtle differences there might be, that you are the Lord and the hope of all here on the North Shore. And uh, so God, uh, be gracious to Ken. God, I pray for a, a, a renewed sense of calling on his church. God, as he was talking about the, uh, the idea of a church born out of protest and a, a, a need to always uh, be the church of, uh, of standing for you and for something. God, we pray that you would give him a renewed uh, vision, give that church a renewed vision of, uh, of who you want them to be. And Father, I pray for the life, uh, the energy, the vitality that, uh, that he longs for in his church. God, that you would bring people uh, to faith in you through his church that can be that life and that vitality that they need as they, they strive to, uh, to be a church that grows into the future. So thank you, God, for your word to us through Ken and your continued word through Ken into his church. Thank you, God, for your grace. Amen.